Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainor, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. I am. This episode was a ride. A fucking ride. Yeah, okay. Let me tell you guys what happened. Obviously, we are recording the intro after we recorded the episode because we wanted to go back and kind of try to explain what happened. Basically, our plan was to do season three, episode six, the recap. And once we started recording, we just felt like it wasn't really going. I don't know. It it was a little bit boring to go scene by scene. So since we're off for the next two weeks, we realized we didn't have an opportunity and we're not going to to talk about these very minor things that happened in the world of Kardashian that we care about that we feel like you guys would. So we basically used the first half of the episode unintentionally to talk about those things. For example, Scott's Instagram about Courtney or Courtney's Instagram for Rain or Chloe's ad. and. I don't even know, 20 minutes in, we're like in this very deep conversation about fantasizing of Courtney and Scott together. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was one of those episodes where we looked at each other when we were done and we were like, actually, what just happened? But in a, in the best way possible, I felt like the good way to, a good way to put it is I felt like it was, I don't want to say less rehearsed because we're never rehearsed, but we didn't even have an outline up for the first half, which we never do that, you know? We were we were unhinged. Let's just call it like it is. Yeah, we were just unhinged, but I had so much fun. And obviously I had the best fucking time. Are you kidding? <laughs> I know. So that's the first half. And then um, at the end of the episode, we just quickly went through season three, episode six. We talked about the main points. We highlighted them. We got into some discussion, but to go through scene by scene, I don't think you guys would have enjoyed. Um. So yeah, that's that's it, I guess. I feel like this is the last day of school, but you know we're not going to see you for two for two weeks, ex- with the exception of Isabel and I for Bravo. So uh, I don't know. This is just every single day, Julie and I can't believe that this is our job. And I said this at the end of the episode, I think, but like it is not lost on us that obviously you all make it possible. So we really feel like we know every single one of you, and we just feel so lucky. So thank you so 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 much. So much. Yeah, and I hope next year is a better year for all of us. So. Julie and I together will see you in the new year. And should we cut to the episode? Let's do it. So no surprise here. Obviously, we're going to start out with a photo that Scott posted a couple of days ago on Mason and Rain's birthday. (laughs) Surprisingly, Mason was not in the picture, but it was him, Courtney, Penelope, and Rain. And he captioned it, thank you, at Courtney Kardashian, for being the best baby maker in town. I couldn't have asked for a better person in the world to have these amazing children with. I love you and our family more than anything in the world. I want them to have another one. I can't like, guys, I, when these things happen, it just, it really is like pure serotonin shot into my veins. Like I want them together so badly. And the thing is he has such a love for her. Like he has such a deep, genuine love for her that I just can't imagine him ever going the full distance with someone else. It just seems like every single time you're watching the plot point of a show that's just dragging on too long where you're like, Okay, I get it. Like the whole will there, won't they? I love this plot line, but like, can you guys just get back together now because I'm over the rest of the show? Right, exactly. I that's how I feel. I just feel like it would be, I don't know. I mean, not to, I really didn't want to bring this up and ruin this great moment, but I feel like for purposes of conversation, I will. I don't know if you guys saw, but Amelia Gray Hamlin, Scott's rumored girlfriend of 19 years old, posted a photo where she did look absolutely beautiful. I mean, she's a gorgeous woman. And Scott commented, like, from an eight to a 12 real quick, which I guess was some sort of an inside joke. She commented something back, but it's like, when I see that, I get so, I get so discouraged aside from all of our thoughts on them dating in general, like the 19 versus 37 year age difference, which as you guys know, we are not at all a fan of, but like, it makes me think, why are, why is this happening when you and Courtney could be together? And I know we may sound naive. I know we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it just is like all of these unnecessary obstacles in the way where we're over the bullshit, you know? My thought process on the whole thing is that this is the scenario I've made up in my head. This is not what's reality. Okay. This is 
what I had thought of is that Scott wants Courtney. Scott only wants Courtney. Courtney's not ready. Courtney doesn't trust him. Whatever reason, they're not together. And I feel like what Scott's doing is getting into relationships or hanging out with people that he knows won't be a long-term thing and just like vamping until him and Courtney can be together. Like he knows that there's nothing to lose by dating somebody that he knows he can't ever be fully, fully serious with. Yeah, I agree with you. I forget when the first time we we spoke about that, it was like a couple of months ago because I don't think we felt that way about Sophia, honestly. Like I really did think that there was a part of us that felt like, you know, not saying Sophia is endgame, but that it didn't feel as crazy. But recently, some of the choices that he'd been making, no shade to them, they're great women. It's not about that. It's just like, they don't feel like lifelong partners. So I agree with you. It probably, it's like a good distraction maybe without having an actual competition to Courtney, if that makes sense. The way we felt about Sophia was that it seemed more logical than other people that he had dated. It seems like it could be more serious or really go the distance. Obviously it was serious, but like it seemed like it could really be fully long-term until we started having the conversation about kids. The thing for me is, and I know we've spoken about this before, but honestly, if somebody said to you, yes or no, you have no in-between. Do you think there is any world that Scott Disick has another child with somebody who is not corny, even if it was a deal breaker in a relationship? Um, on purpose, no. By accident, yes. Yeah, on purpose, I'm saying. No. And I ask you the reverse question. Do you think there's any world in which Courtney voluntarily has a child with somebody who's not Scott? Neither on purpose nor by accident, no. Right. Like, I just, I don't foresee it happening. I I mean, they've spoken openly about potentially having another child, but anytime they've spoken about it, it's been with each other. There's never a conversation of like, oh, if I were to have a kid with someone else. Like, even in I guess it was the finale or one of the last episodes of this most recent season when they made a joke about Courtney being pregnant. Like, I think that, I don't know, maybe they've never said it directly, but I think it's pretty much an unspoken understanding that if they were to procreate again, it would be with each other. I I guess that would be the scenario where they got back together. Okay. Well then, so, okay. That's actually good that you brought that up. Let me ask you now a follow-up question. Okay. (laughs) Is there a world in which they have another child together in this complete same scenario of like, we are just co-parenting, either we'll have sex or I'm going to have your sperm implanted inside of me, probably the latter, just for the purposes of having another child, but this does not mean we're together. Do you foresee that happening? Or in your mind, does another kid mean a rekindling? No, in my mind, what would happen is they would decide separately, not like them being in a relationship, but them saying they wanted another kid, they would decide to have another kid. And then the creation of that other life would then result in them getting back together. Oh, so you think that the rekindling would come as an after effect of the baby? Yes. Interesting. Or it would be one of those things, which is like a a Parks and Rec plot line where they decide they want to have another kid. They're going to do the whole like, um, artificial insemination thing or or whatever. And then they're like, you know what? Like we, we know how to do this old rodeo. And then they just like end up sleeping together. Right. Also let's just say, because I think anybody who views them as having a child, if they weren't together, of course would view it as happening. Like you said, with, you know, some sort of fertility clearly, like, I don't think anybody thinks that they're just going to fuck to fuck for one time, especially because it's very infrequent that you actually get pregnant the first time you try um, when it comes to sex. But that's like my dream that that's what happens. And then from there, it just like, like romantic love that they can't, they can't escape each other because they forgot what it was like to sleep together. Yeah. That's, that's what I envision. I don't know. I have so many, I have so many like Scott and Courtney scenarios that play out in my head every day. Like, you know how people, you know how like you make up scenarios before you go to bed to help you fall asleep? Like mine are all scenarios in which Scott and Courtney get back together. I understand it. And I also feel like this is a comparison that I think you'll understand. On the Bravo episode, Isabel and I were saying that we feel so thrown off because we genuinely do not have a good gut about what's going on with Erica and Tom Girardi. Like we really normally have some sort of an idea and we don't. And with this one, I really feel like I can't fully trust my gut because I've gone so deep into this fantasy world that I don't know if I can confidently differentiate fantasy from reality. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know if any of my view of where they're at, where they could be is based in any sort of nonfiction. I don't know if it is either because there was really a period of time there where I was so sure they were going to get back together prior to him dating Amelia, even when he was like seen on a couple of dates with people. Like I I never took that seriously. 
Um, but even like, I guess most strongly prior to the dates, but even during, I really thought they were going to get back to it. Like, I thought that's where we were heading. I thought that was going to be like a 2020 saving point. I thought if he's not with Sophia, maybe it's because him and Courtney are finally going to get to that point. And then once this whole Amelia thing happened, I was like, A, okay, clearly him and Courtney aren't together or heading there because if there was even a slimmer of hope for him, I don't think he would enter a relationship with somebody else. And B, that whole idea that I think we had built up where Scott is 100% ready to be with Courtney, be faithful to her, mature enough, all of that went away when he started dating a 19-year-old again. Exactly. It it really was like... <laughs> Not to sound dramatic, it was a little bit jarring. I felt like I got hit hit right in the face because we were on this path. Like we had fully, fully internalized this fairy tale. And then when we saw him out with that woman, not Amelia, it was someone, you know, before Amelia. And again, zero shame to the woman. It was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like I had really built it. Like I blame you. You should blame me because you were never this, you were far more like realistic. You were definitely more realist when it came to the situation. And I was a little bit more idealistic. I kind of operated in this other world. And somehow this never happens with us. I guess I took you in with me and now you're kind of riding the wave. It's not your fault. It really, like the whole internet did it. You got me on board. Like you really got me thinking about it again, where I think I had given up the possibility of them getting back together or had only viewed their relationship so negatively because of the ending of their relationship that I just was like, no, they're not going to get. And then once you started on it and TikTok started this whole like toxic couples that belong together thing, I I just couldn't move on. And now I'll never be able to move on. I know. I know. I mean, I don't know, you guys, like I always say, we are still holding out hope. And I felt like that post, (laughs) it did nothing is what it did. In my mind, it did something, but in reality, it did nothing. Fine. It did nothing. But did it? Didn't it do something? <laughs> I don't know, Julie. I feel like we're, I don't, I don't know. To me, it did, but I know in reality, it probably didn't. But wait, Courtney's birthday post to Rain and Mason. I, I had watched it the first time, but I like wasn't fully paying attention. And just before I was watching it, Julie heard me. I was audibly laughing. Rain is, we don't talk about him enough. I don't think we talk about him enough either. Like I have made this point before to you that I think that we need to devote more of our attention to talking about Reigns, his personality specifically. Yeah. The kid's a hoot. The kid's a hoot. I mean, we should have known he was who we saw him on Ellen. It's because it's because Kylie gives us more stormy content and stormy, I think kind of maybe takes over in that regard. But just because Rain isn't filming cooking videos with Courtney in the kitchen doesn't mean that he is not equally as much of a personality as stormy is. Here's the difference. Let me explain to you. Please. The thing with Stormy is that A, I'm obsessed with her. And B, she's so advanced beyond her years that there's something so special about watching her in those cooking videos. Like, it's not like she has the craziest personality or like the most defining personality. It's just for her age, she has such a strong personality that it always catches you off guard. Like, her vocabulary is so great. She's so like sweet and loving towards Kylie. And and has like a really good understanding of things. Like the patient's video with with Stormy was so special, not just because she was so cute in it, but because she genuinely understood as a two-year-old the context of patience. That's not a normal thing. That is a very advanced thing. With Rain, he's fucking so adorable and hilarious and has such a standout personality that I've never seen on another kid. Like he is absolutely wild and so funny. And remember when they were on vacation, I think it was when they were in Costa Rica and he says that he wants to do grace. And he like does that really funny thing where he like talks about like his dreams. And I was like, this kid is no, he is something special. He is something special. He really is. And even in those videos that, that Courtney posted, I mean, first off the patience one was, hilarious because he has this like little bit of mischievous streak to him, which I think is different than a lot of the other kids. You feel that way with North definitely, but with so many other kids, you don't feel that way. And Rain definitely has it. And so I think also he's different than Mason. That's another thing. You know, we compare him to Mason because Mason was the only boy that we know from Courtney and Scott. You know, you can't compare them to Sane. It's two totally different parents. So I really do feel like we watch Mason grow up and to see how Rain is growing up and they really are so different. Well, because Mason is so like Scott in every single way. And I don't know who Rain is like. Like, I think that's something that we like to do with the kids is like compare them to what parent they're like, because most of them have such strong, distinct personalities that are so like their parent 
like Kim and Chicago and Saint, North and Kanye, Mason and and um Scott. And with Rain, his personality is so distinct to him that there's no one that I can think to compare it to. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine though that a mini Rain is a little bit like a mini Scott in terms of I could see Scott having that like mischievous streak when he was a child. I could actually see a little Rain being like a little Rob. Because Rob was like that. Rob was the, yeah, we forget what Rob was like. And that's something that the earlier seasons has done. I wasn't like thinking about specific lines that Rob had said, but if you watch it back, you remember that like he had so much personality and I'm sure he still does. And he's so funny. Um, He deserved more airtime in the beginning, by the way. I know that's a whole other subject, but I think they should have given him more airtime. I know. Well, there's always a thing that he wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I will say even just, when we're watching some of these old episodes, it wasn't, it didn't give off that same feeling of, you know how in current day episodes, anytime Kylie is on camera, it feels like palpable misery. And not, not that she's, not to sound like she's coming across as so entitled, but it does, you can just tell she doesn't want to be there. Maybe that's also partially because we know that she doesn't. But with Rob, even though he didn't appear that frequently in the earlier seasons, it didn't feel like a painstaking a painstaking effort to get him on camera. Do you know what I mean? It felt like he enjoyed it. Right. I just thought of another question I wanted to ask you. What? If you could go back in time to any single Kardashian couple, okay, and have them stay together, still be together, erase any drama involved in the relationship, any bad doing, like literally everything would be perfect if these two people got back together or never broke up in the first place, which couple would you choose? Julie? No, no, Julie, I know why you're asking me this and you want to know something. This is fucked up because I know you initially want me to say Courtney and Scott, because that's the obvious choice, but you know, damn well, especially watching these old episodes, we are both thinking Rob and Adrian. Well, you know who the answer is, right? Rob and Adrian are second. Scott and Courtney are third. The correct answer is Chloe and Lamar. Well, but no, it's honestly, oh, you're saying if nothing bad happened. I'm saying you can erase any wrongdoing that the other person did, any wrongdoing in the relationship. It would literally be perfect. There would be no fault, nothing. Like Lamar would be the perfect person. Like if you could just choose one couple to get back together I'm, or to stay together. Okay, I hold on. I have to make a little bit of a disclaimer because I do feel uncomfortable saying this. Like clearly it's better that it worked out this way because Rob has dream and Chloe has true. So let's just take that out. Clearly we know that they all ended up where they are because they have their magical children. So let me just take that out. So nobody's angry messaging us saying that. Later. It's like when we talk about Chris and Robert, what would have happened there? Like, obviously we got, they got Kendall and Kylie because of their divorce and everything worked out. Okay. But there's always going to be the element of Chris and Robert where it would be, she feels like it was a mistake that they got divorced in the first place or a mistake that she cheated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the kid being there, miracle, happy they're here, not undoing that, just like this hypothetical scenario. Yeah. And you just know. You guys would be floored if you see some of the things. It's, I, I never thought I would have to clarify certain things, but yes. Okay. Anyway, now that we've done that, I feel good. Let me talk freely now. Yeah. A thousand percent, Chloe and Lamar. I mean, one, we would, she would never have to go through the trauma that was the Tristan scandal. By the way, neither would Jordan have to go through that trauma if he never was in that situation. Kylie and Jordan would potentially still be friends, even though, as we've spoken about, I think it may be better for at least Jordan that they're not. And maybe for Kylie, too, to kind of ease her codependency a little bit. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know, though. Robin Adrian is a close second. Like, I don't think I would waste my one wish on... Courtney and Scott because it feels more probable. Like I think that that could happen just universally. I think energetically that potentially will happen. But Adrian and Rob, I mean, that's never happening. So I really do think that it would be a toss up between Chloe and Lamar and Adrian and Rob for me. The long term effects of what would have happened to the rest of the family if Chloe and Lamar stayed together versus Adrian and Rob, Chloe and Lamar has a greater, more universal effect. Well, let me just challenge that statement. Not that I disagree, but just to throw a counterpoint for a second. I do think that everything that went down with Rob and in terms of the way that he felt about himself and you know being so secluded and really isolating and turning away from the family for such a long time, I know it was more so turning away from the public. Some could argue that a lot of that had to do with you know not having like a steady kind of partner in his life. Not that that would have, you know, not that your partner is responsible for your sanity, obviously, but I think he felt more alone. And 
you never know. There definitely is a possibility that if he had stayed with Adrian, that would have never happened in the first place, which I do think had a really big effect on the entire family, himself included. I agree with you. I do agree with you. But I think that the effect that losing Lamar had on Rob was what put him over the edge. You know what? That was checkmate. Oh, okay. Okay, Queen's Gambit. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, that was that's an excellent point. You're so right. I guess it's, in that circumstance, you have to think like chicken and the egg, you know, and you're right. Like, I think Adrian was the catalyst for a lot of things, but there was around that same time, obviously a lot of changes that happened to Rob all at the same time. Lamar, you know, Caitlin and Chris, everything that went on there. And I just think that the trauma surrounding those events really put Rob over the edge. And Lamar was such a stable figure for Rob. Rob was living with them. That was Rob's best friend at the time. So I don't know. No, you're not. You're really not wrong. Also, because of course it can't be ignored. The fact that I think in my personal opinion, that so much of what happened with Rob was like serious unresolved trauma about Robert's death, which we've seen throughout the show, but I think it really started to manifest itself. And, you know, many could argue that it really started to kick itself into full gear when Lamar, who was his most prominent male figure, was no longer in his life. It was too reminiscent of the abandonment he'd felt from his father's death. You know, like not that Lamar was ever taking that place, but he was a very strong male figure in his life. So that definitely, I think the two just interacted with each other and that was the result. Yeah. How did we get here? What even just happened? I don't know, but if there's one thing I know about you and I, it's that we can always get here. I know. I feel like we just forgot that we were recording. <laughs> well, we, I was hoping for that. This is what Julie and I just talk about like all the time like for no reason. If you listen to our voice notes back and forth, like it would sound exactly the same. It would sound exactly like that because what we'll do, especially like at night when one of us is high, we'll put it that exact scenario. Like, okay, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Here are the rules. And we like lay out exactly what the rules are before anybody's allowed to respond. I'm a real sucker for hypotheticals. Oh my God. I mean, between the two of us, we're so annoying with it. Yeah, we really are. I make my dad crazy every single day. I ask my dad, okay, in a hypothetical universe, if you were to offer the entire world, would you trade me? <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're ridiculous. You are absolutely next level ridiculous. Emmy, I wouldn't trade you for anything. Um, I'm like, I don't know, name a price. I might get ready to. <laughs> So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Also, one other thing that I wanted to talk about, I know this is feeling a lot more casual than normal, but I'm kind of just going with the vibe. It's nice to have not like as strong of an outline. I feel like, can I tell you how I feel right now? Tell me. I feel like it is the day before the last day of school since we have off for the next two weeks. And so we're just a lot more kind of like giddy than normal. Yeah. Like our teacher put on a movie for us. It's a snow day. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at in front of me is a full 10 page outline that Julie transcribed this entire episode. But I think as we're talking, our plans have changed a little. Yeah. I'm um, much happier doing it this way and then going over the episode a little bit than uh, going through what I transcribed. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm sure you guys saw, but Daily Mail posted this article and it was a picture of Tristan and this woman. And it's like, 
Tristan Thompson enjoys romantic dinner date with mystery woman. First of all, we were both in sweatpants. There was nothing romantic about it. Second of all, it com- turns out that she is his like estate manager, somebody who works for him. Very professional and non-romantic thing ever. I understand we never give him the benefit of the doubt because of previous circumstances. But once it comes out who this woman is and it was nothing romantic, they then post an article today that says, now it's Chloe's turn. Star joins Tristan Thompson for dinner in Boston after his, quote, date with Blonde. And I was just like, you have to be kidding me that that is the headline when in the same article, it literally calls out her being the estate manager. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know why I'm acting even a little bit shocked. Clearly, we deal with this clickbait all the time, but this was ridiculous. It's like, I'm the first one to call Tristan out, but when when calling him out for nothing only makes Chloe look worse, then then you're just getting into like ridiculous territory. Well, also, it then loses validity the, the next time because you're like, oh, all the time Daily Mail is posting about these quote, like, women that he's seeing and it's never anything. So if it were to happen again, like, you know, it's like the news article that cried wolf. Right. It's actually, honestly, what they don't realize is they're probably doing him a favor because in his eyes, it only lowers the severity. Now he's like, hey, I could probably get away with this. (laughs) If there's one thing that I hope, not that I hope, that I have to assume Tristan has learned from this whole thing is that if he's going to do this again, which I really obviously hope he doesn't, like I would have to assume he would cheat smarter, not harder. He would have to. Would it, it's just ridiculous if you can't? Yeah, I mean, he really had some bad run-ins. I just hope I'm optimistic. I don't know. Let my heart be broken. I I don't think your heart will be broken. I think you'll be upset for Chloe, but it's not like Lamar. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm saying. Do you think? I don't know. We shouldn't even go into that territory. I don't want to put that into the universe. Let's just see what happens. Okay. I can't. It, it stresses me out to talk about it because, like, I I really do think at this point. Chloe's response would not be as like emotional in terms of outwardly. I don't think she'd be yelling. I think she would literally go numb. Like I think it would be a full-blown, I am done with men for an extended period of time because I cannot even get emotional to subject myself to this. Like I really think the damage that it would have on her in terms of shutting off her capability to feel love, romantic love, would be so deep. That's really this episode really took a turn just now. I know. I don't know what just happened. I guess that always happens when we talk about Chloe and Lamar. I mean, Chloe and Tristan. Oh, now I'm in a Chloe and Lamar phase. <laughs> this is what happens. And now I bet people listening are now going to are like going to go watch Chloe and Lamar's wedding. Don't do it if you're not feeling that emotionally stable right now because it can really it, – it takes you down a hole that you don't necessarily want to be in. Or I guess a better way to put it is you want to be prepared to be in. Well, did you see some – I think it's why it's in my head is because somebody messaged us this morning and they were like, I'm watching Chloe and Lamar's wedding – and Kobe's there. And I was like, well, why don't you just like throw as much salt on the wound as you possibly can? Oh my God. And that also is on, I'm not getting into this right now, but also happening on the same day where Vanessa Bryant is in this ongoing legal battle with her mom. And she was posting constantly on her story. And that to me is just so heartbreaking and upsetting. And I can't even, I, I truly cannot even imagine what it must be like. You are mourning your husband and your daughter, and your mother is now coming at you for finances when, according to them and according to everything we've ever heard, they've taken such good care of her. So that to me is like a whole other level of pain. This story is just so unbelievably upsetting to me, like really like deep down upsetting. Especially when you're going through what she's going through, what you want is just like that f- figure of unconditional love and support from your mother. And so to then have her become like an enemy when you're already dealing with such legal battles for so many other things, I just, it's, that's really a dark situation. And I, I send her so much compassion and love. Yeah. Beyond. Any other things that happened like Instagram Kardashian wise this week that we are not going to get the chance to talk about since we don't have an episode? I'm trying to think. I don't believe so. I mean, other than Chloe's ad for that Louis thing that – it's like, can I tell you honestly how I feel? Tell me. So we all kind of collectively can agree that those curated business ads that they do where it's them with a bunch of like Louis Vuitton luggage or Gucci or whatever the thing is and you can win everything in the picture and all you have to do is follow their three accounts. On one hand, I think we can all understand like this just feels so below them. Yet maybe you want to look at it from like, hey, if you're going to get 300 grand to post this one thing, like why not? Fine. Whatever you want to think of it, that's fine. But when Chloe posts this photo and she does, she looks absolutely beautiful. Yet objectively, it looks nothing like her. It's not even for me, like I'm over that. It, nothing surprises me anymore. It's like when she does it, I just know what 
the articles are going to be and what the memes are going to be. And they're so mean. And it like upsets me that she's even subjecting herself to that. Yeah. The whole thing is just from bottom to top of the ad to her in it is a confusing situation to say the absolute least. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's so, it's so bizarre to me. Um, anything else you want to mention before we quickly go into the episode? No, I think that's it. Okay. So let's take a break and we'll come back with a little recap discussion of season three, episode six. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time consuming process. If you're not using products that really work for you, honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com promo code CELEBS. Okay, so this episode centers around two main plot lines. And the first is Chloe wanting to take a DNA test. And the second is kind of just Rob and how he's graduating college and kind of like his introduction to the quote real world. So with Chloe, to go through every scene I'm telling you is so repetitive. We actually started to do it and then we restarted the entire episode because we're not going to put you guys through that. But, and I will just say, everything was really dramatized here, clearly. Like, she's not just randomly one day going to be looking through old photo albums and see that she looks different. And this made it as a much more kind of like immediate, urgent thing. But what I will say about this entire thing is, number one, I do feel like we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room because in these very kind of like sleazy tabloid articles that come out about Chloe potentially not being related to the family... It always talks about OJ as the father, which again, we do not endorse that at all. But nobody ever thinks that Chris wasn't the mom. People just think that Robert wasn't the dad. So when you're watching this episode, it's kind of skirting around the issue that the media does talk about. But it was, whether or not there's any like legitimacy to this, which clearly we don't think so, and even if this art, this episode is completely dramatized, it still is uncomfortable knowing that these are thoughts that go through her head. Like, Not that she thinks that she's not actually related, but that she feels so different. Right. Well, first of all, also, we know for a fact that she is 100% Robert and Chris's because there's the 2018 episode where they where she ends up doing a 23andMe test and the results come back the same as uh, Courtney and Kim's, obviously. So we know for a fact that it's fine. Um, but yeah, the whole episode is really her dealing with feeling so different than the family, both looks wise and just the way she's treated. And I think just who she is as a person in comparison to the whole family. Um, But it's really specifically Courtney and Kim, because if you look at childhood photos, her and Rob look alike. I know they do. I know they do. I really do think though, like when you're in, when you're Chloe, you're not really comparing yourself to the brother in the family. I think you, because the world is comparing you to the sisters, that's what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, <laughs> the episode is funny, though. I mean, obviously, the sentiment behind what Cor- what Chloe was feeling is not like a truly joking matter. I think there was a lot of legitimacy that she was masking with the episode being really funny because she talks about this being something that she said since she was five years old. And Chris is like, you've been saying this forever. I'm not like giving this any validity but chloe has this real ability to take any single scenario and any single thing that somebody is saying and then switch it to back to whatever she wants to talk about in the funniest way like they would there and there's one scene obviously where they're at dinner and it's robert's graduation dinner and they're celebrating him and they start to talk about something and, and chloe automatically they're not even talking about chloe's like oh you mean because you're not my real family and it's like that's a real talent to be able to do that. She does. It's I I will just say though, 
because you're right, a lot of it is just like a tactic to switch the conversation in the direction she wants it. But also what you see a lot, and this is not like in a bad way. This is not in a way of like, oh, she makes it about herself. It's not that. But Chloe's insecurities in the earlier seasons are really evident because you see that such harmless comments made by others are taken really personally, which we've all been there. When you're feeling a certain way about yourself, you're so quick to jump down someone else's throat because you feel like it's an attack on you when it's really not. And we're seeing that a lot here. But like in this episode is maybe a little bit more representative of it, but like we see that a lot in earlier seasons. Definitely. You can see her change personality and mentally we're like, there's just not that anger there anymore. The, even in the joking scenes where she's being funny and she's joking, there you can just tell there's so much pent up anger that she has. And I just don't think we see it. And they talked about that in the episode with the Jordan and Tristan situation where I think it's like Courtney and Malik are saying to her, like, it's okay to be mad. Like, it's okay to let yourself go there. And she's clearly put in so much work to not letting herself go to that place anymore. Exactly. That, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I really do think that one of the other reasons that she additionally comes across as like so much calmer in certain situations than you would expect her to is because one, having the old episodes, like you're forced to watch that. I think she wasn't happy with what she saw, but also I think she's a little bit afraid that like, if she starts, it will just kind of spiral, you know, like, I feel like she almost looked at that person as a different person. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where at the time, Chloe probably didn't recognize the anger that she had because it was masked with so much humor. And it was one of those things where when she was in the moment kind of acting like that, it was like, how could they not get that I'm joking? Or how could people not see that this isn't real anger? It's a joke. And when you look back on it, I'm sure she was like, why was I so angry all the time? Like, what was that? Because you don't recognize that anger in the moment, especially when you're doing it in a way that you think is just joking. Talk about like the best therapy you can have. You know, you really have a reel of your previous actions and you can have a very clear outline as to what got you to the point that it got you. Right. Like even you'll say that to me sometimes when we're recording and we're talking about something and you're like, you sound so angry talking about something that's not like needed to be angry about. And I won't hear it in the moment because it sounds so joking to me. But when I listen back on it, I'm like, yeah, you're hundred percent right. I don't know why I'm so angry about literally the dumbest topic we could possibly talk about. Yeah. It's so, you're so right. That does happen. I, yeah. it's not just you. I mean, I found that way with uh, one of the Bravo episodes. I made Isabel redo something for, because I was like, I listened to myself back and I was like, wow, I sound like I was pissed. And I guess I was, but like, <laughs> I, I can still communicate my point without like so much upset in my voice. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, a cheating husband will just make you really fucking mad. I, that is also a good point. You know? Mine are like the dumbest things though. Yeah. No, yours are just more like being frustrated with societal stupidity. It, that really does affect me on a day-to-day basis. It's a lot for me. Yeah. There's a lot of societal stupidity. Yeah. I mean, clearly. <laughs> Um, anything else you want to mention or should we move on to the Rob plot line? No, let's move on to Rob. Okay. Let me take a quick break and then we'll come back with that. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up, but specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, so like I said, the second plot line is really about Rob and two things happen here. First, this is the episode where he gets that tattoo of Robert on his forearm. And, you know, Chris, Kim, Chloe, Courtney, nobody is a fan, not of the tattoo itself, but I think like, you know, all of a sudden he's really making his body a canvas, which is just not something they were down for. I think their biggest issue was not even 
the physical act of the tattoo or the body, whatever. I think it was really Rob's lack of impulse control was on display because those were not small tattoos. They were not, it wasn't something that he really clearly thought through. It was a very in the moment, major tattoo. Yeah. Well, and, and yes. And then Adrian kind of confirms that when she's saying, you know, one of the guys who was there that Rob wants to be like said it was hot and then Rob got it. So once Adrian said that all of them were like, okay, this is what went from zero to a hundred, like way too quickly. You saw Adrian, and I know it was such a split moment, but take on such a maternal role when he came in to show the tattoos, because before he even walked in, she warned the rest of them. And she was like, listen, he really likes the portrait one. So just don't say anything about that one. I know it was, you're so right. I. It's actually funny because I guess you picked up on the maternal aspect, which as you're saying, and I so agree with, but for me, I was more so thinking this is a little bit of an uncomfortable position for the girlfriend to be navigating when you are now dealing with all of the women and women in your boyfriend's family. Like that's a kind of uncomfortable spot to be in of like, okay, I know your son who also happens to be my boyfriend and your brother is about to come in with a lot of ink. I'm going to need everybody to stay calm. Like that's a weird role. Going back for a second to the conversation we had earlier about Rob and Adrian, like if if we could just get them back together, a huge, huge component of that is the relationship that she had and still has with the rest of the family. Obviously, they're still close now, but it's not what it would have been if she was their sister-in-law or if they were still together. Um, and that relationship is really on display here because yes, it's a maternal role. Yes, it's an uncomfortable position to be in, but it didn't feel uncomfortable to watch her tell the rest of the family how to react to something that their brother slash son did. It seemed natural to me. Exactly, exactly. It, it did seem kind of natural, right? Yeah, and that's why I think it was hard for the Rob and Adrian thing because it's not even so much about their relationship being so special. It's about... A, what Rob could have been like or what Rob would have been like if they stayed together and B, how well Adrian fit in with everybody else. And which is not an easy task. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. It's not an easy task. No, it's not at all. Also, sorry to switch gears really quickly, but I just realized that I have to. Something we didn't even talk about with this episode yet was when Kim found the picture of what she thought was her engagement ring on Chris's phone, remember? And Chloe and Courtney were like, oh my God. And Chris, Kim's like, yeah, it's about $300,000. That was when we really thought that Kim and Reggie were endgame. I'm sorry, I have to say it. That picture that Reggie Instagrammed of him and his daughter, what was it yesterday or the other day? It, that is North's twin. It is scary. It look, that girl, that girl is so beautiful. She looks so much like North. Well, that's what Jennifer Lawrence started the interview with Kim. When Kim walked out, the first question Jennifer Lawrence said when they did that interview was, do you think it's weird how much Reggie Bush's kids look like yours? And they all match up. Yeah, it's kind of- They all did, but I hadn't seen the oldest in a while. And that is, like, North and her could recreate some sort of parent trap. Yeah, it is It is very true. Uh, yeah, you're so right. But in terms of this episode, going back to Rob for a second, you know, he comes in and nobody's really a fan. They're kind of getting into a little bit of an argument. Kim's speaking about how him getting that tattoo really, in her opinion, showed how much he's like yearning for Robert, especially because he's graduating from USC. That's where Robert graduated from. And I mean, this is an emotional time. Like I get that. It's a milestone in his life and he's searching so badly for his father to be there. And so memorializing him with the tattoo on his arm in that moment was making him feel better, you know? And I think so much of Robert was following in so much of Rob was following in Robert's footsteps of like, okay, I, I did this. I did this sport that he wanted me to do. I went to USC business school. I did what he did. And then it's like, okay, now what? Because now I'm missing that piece of like, now I'm on my own. There's no direction anymore. There's no family business for me to go into really. There's no thing that Rob's Robert, my father is going to set up for me to be able to do like, or I don't know what he wants me to do from this point going forward. So I think Rob felt so lost here because this was like the first time in his life where it wasn't a clear direction for him. Oh, for sure. I mean, there are so many things there. And by the way, I obviously recognize as you're saying that, like, yes, it turned into a family business, but at the time, I don't think he realized that. Um, but in general, 
I know this happens constantly when people graduate college, they're so excited to get into the real world. And then it's like, wait a second, this is the first time in my life where the path wasn't drawn for me. I know I felt like that. You know, you just do the next thing. And as much as you complain about going to class and this and that, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm so grateful that I, it almost takes like the think work out of it for you. So once you graduate and you're really on your own, it's definitely weird. But that in conjunction with the fact, and I'm sure I've used this phrase before on the podcast, like my therapist always says to me, when you lose someone like that, you're you're losing your anchor. So you're kind of just like a ship floating. And I really do think Robert was such an anchor for him. And so he feels a little bit kind of lost without that, which is so understandable. I mean, I, I so connect with that. And also in terms of the quote family business, they've all grown it and they're all clearly a family business, but they have all done their piece to have a very specific role in that. They all have their thing. They all have their investment. They all have their business. So even for Rob, looking back from this point, there still wasn't a clear cut place for him to go into. There still had to be something that he was going to willing, he was going to be willing to work hard and be his big undertaking. Obviously he had the sock line and I think he's tried out some other stuff, but the lack of clear direction for him even to this day, I think is still an issue because yeah, your last name's Kardashian. What are you going to do with that now? Right. Exactly. It's not, it's not. And just to be clear, it's not about financially. Like we all know financially he could never work a day and he would be totally fine. Like, let's get that out. It's not that it's more so like feeling ownership over something. And I like Arthur George just as much as the next guy in in a world. <laughs> I don't have to lie. <laughs> no, I'm saying I could appreciate a cute little sentiment on the, on the foot of socks, like fine. But in a world of Good American and Skims and Kylie Cosmetics, it's just, it's not going to fly. And so there's definitely that, that issue there. Um, I would imagine, you know, wait also though, in regards to all this, this, you know, this issue, the side piece that's happening in this episode is that Courtney had set him up with this internship and Rob bailed out on the interview. So keep that in the back of your mind, because when they're having this fight about the tattoos, Rob says to Chloe, don't worry about it. When I make my first million, you won't be saying shit, Chloe. And right after he says that, Courtney basically drags him as if he's a little kid, like by his ear is kind of the way that it was and takes him to the other room. And she's like, you are going about this completely wrong. You know, you don't earn respect by just having money. Like how many people do we know our parents, friends that have so much money and they're not respectable at all. And you know, Rob is just saying, well, you guys have money and you're always out of town and you're at hotels and you're all this stuff. And Courtney says, I realize that you're trying to keep up with us, but you have to put in your time too. You need to start from the bottom just like we did. I hope you remember where you came from and keep the values that you were taught. Also, quick insert here. Clearly, they did not start from the quote bottom, but in their world, that's what she means. And Courtney's asking him, like, why did you blow off the interview? And he's like, I don't know. I didn't want to do an interview for an internship. And they kind of end up getting to the point and he says in his confessional, you know, Courtney's right. To succeed in life, you got to start at the bottom. That's what she did. That's what Kim did. I'm willing to take that job and work my way up. Money will come in due time. Again, I clarify, clearly they did not start at the bottom, but in in their world. So, you know, even here, talk about on a much smaller scale, the inadequacy he was feeling in relation to his sisters. Yeah, they were just older, but also the brands that they were building. And like, that's just repeated itself, I feel. The thing that's interesting that I was thinking about as we were, as you were just going over that is so much of, I think, Rob's work ethic and view on the working world and view on just the way things work in general is so stinted because of the age at which he was when his dad died. So for example, with Courtney and Kim specifically, like they saw their dad's work ethic because they were old enough to go into his office and see him working and work on projects or intern with him. I think even Chloe got that in at a certain point or was able to see it. But Robert was so much younger that he didn't get that experience of seeing what his dad really did day to day. He just had the overarching view of, I know my dad works hard and made money and I know that he had this business. So Rob Rob never really got that this is what hard work is. This is what you have to do to get there. This is how you start at the bottom. This is how you in turn work your way up. All he had was his view of what his dad was when he got older, which is such a different view than what Courtney and Kim had and what Chloe had. So he has such a juvenile view of how the world of business and how making money even works. At the time, he really did. You're so right. He never had those like assisting jobs and he would never help Robert with filing or whatever Courtney and Kim would do. No, it's, it's a really good point. It is. And also at this point, you know, Chris is managing them and he has nothing to like quote manage. So 
Robert was his best example and Robert could have explained to him the trajectory, but he wasn't alive, unfortunately, to do so, which is like, just so it's like, it's just upsetting. It's just sad to watch, you know, none of his, he didn't want to be making comments that felt ill-informed, but he felt like he didn't have his dad there. Like that, that's really hard. And I'm sure it was really hard for Chris too, because, you know, Chris is no stranger to working hard also. No, it it was. I think it, it was like, you know, I will say when Courtney heard Rob say that about like when I make my first million, it clearly just struck a chord with her. And as the oldest sibling, it was almost like, listen, I understand we are very privileged. I understand like da 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 da, but don't say things like that, basically. Because th- that's not a way that they had ever kind of communicated, you know? And I think that that was very off putting. So it was interesting to see the way that she so quickly responded. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that, those were the two main plots. Like, we, if we went through every scene, you guys would be painfully bored because it's just the same thing over and over again. Um, but it is interesting to see how these themes kind of resurface later on. And uh, I don't know. I just had a lot of fun. <laughs> Me too. I always do. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about anything? No, I think that's it. I think so too. Well, we love you guys. Julie and I have off the next few weeks. I can't believe it. Um, and Isabel and I are coming on anyway, just because we have to do Bravo. We feel like we, how is there going to be a Potomac reunion and things and we're not going to talk about it. So we will be on for the next two weeks. Isabel and I, I don't know exactly what day, but Julie and I will see you after the break and we love you. Thank you for everything. I feel like I feel like this year we kind of got our footing more with the podcast and just getting into a, you know, a rhythm. And now we're three times a week. It's like a big change. And so when I think where we started to where we are now, that is just literally only possible because we have such loyal listeners. So not for a second are we not appreciative or grateful for that. And, and we just love you guys. So thank you for everything. And uh, anything you want to say, Joel? Uh, no, you said it pretty perfectly, my friend. <laughs> okay. Well, we love you guys and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs>